Well, if you've been with us here on these Sunday mornings, we've been going through a series called Others Living a Faith That Endures. Last week, we uh, take a, took a look at Ruth, faith that endures financial insecurity. Maybe you've been there once or twice. Maybe you're there now. I have found that the people we've been looking at in, in the Bible whose lives have not gone all smooth. As a matter of fact, uh, they've had a broken road. Maybe you've, you can identify with them. But I've learned some things. God will use your broken road story to help and encourage others. And Don and I were experiencing some of the heartbreaks and going through some tough times. We wondered why God let us go through them. We discovered that he has a purpose. God has used those stories to allow us to taste more of his grace and also to help others who are going through a similar time of broken roads, people who are struggling with depression and disappointments, death, physical pain, and prodigals. Well, our journey on the broken road introduces us to another heartache, and we're going to talk to you about a father whose faith was called to endure a prodigal son. I was just looking through a famous prodigal by the name of Franklin Graham. You know, we know him as the head of Samaritan's Purse, and we know him as Billy Graham's son, but did you know he was a prodigal son too? He had a time of life when he was just going off the deep end and causing all kinds of heartache to his father and his mother. But God got a hold of that young man, turned him around, and he's greatly used of God. We're going to tell the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, 11 to 25. You can follow along in your copy of Scripture up on the screen if we're able to. Luke 15, 11 through 25. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one, no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And we'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy 
to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Let's pray. We bow in your presence, Heavenly Father. And I thank you so much for this beautiful parable. And I pray that, Lord, you would help us who have prodigals today. Help us to have hope. Help us to have confidence in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is the parable of the prodigal son. It's one of the most beloved stories in the New Testament. And even though it's called the parable of the prodigal son, it could be rightly also called the parable of the loving father. Jesus told it to emphasize the eagerness of God to forgive and restore sinners. The older brother, of course, represents the Pharisees, the younger son, the sinners that were far off. The story can be told in three scenes, the rebelling, the repenting, and the rejoicing. Let's look at this son and see the dissatisfaction with life at home. The story does begin with a son who decides that he's no longer happy on the farm. I don't know. I've never lived on a farm. Farm life, I I imagine, could get rather routine and maybe even a little boring. Perhaps he was even uh, uh, a little dissatisfied and tired of the religious instruction that his father offered. And maybe he wanted to see and what it felt like to step over the boundaries and taste some of the forbidden fruit that the rest of the world offered. He wanted to explore the world, so he approaches his father, and he knows that if you're going to go away from home, you've got to have some money. The only money that he knew how to have was his inheritance. So he goes to the father, and he asks the father with this unusual re- request to get his inheritance. Normally an estate was not divided and given to the heirs until the father either died or was no longer able to manage it well. According to Jewish law, an elder son, the oldest son, received twice as much as the younger son, as the other sons, and the father could distribute his wealth during his lifetime if he wished to do that. It was perfectly legal for the younger son to ask for his share of the estate and even to sell it, but it certainly wasn't very loving and it definitely wasn't very smart of him to do this. Well, the father acquiesced to the son. Perhaps he knew that this young boy was not going to learn unless he did it the hard way. So the father gave him... His inheritance, he probably had to do some 
negotiating and maybe selling some livestock and, and uh, maybe some parts of the property or who knows how. But this young son had his wad of cash. Now we see what he did. He went on a journey into a far country. Now, we're not told where this far country was. The far country is maybe in the parable not necessarily a distant place, but because the far country sometimes only exists in our own hearts. The younger son dreamed of enjoying his freedom far from home and away from the father and probably his older brother too, who was always following the rules. If the sheep in these, uh, in Luke 15, there are three parables. If the sheep was lost through foolishness and the coin through carelessness, then the son was lost because of willfulness. He wanted to have his own way, so he rebelled against his own father and broke his father's heart. The son left home with a pile of money and traveled to that far country. The younger son took that wealth, went far away and squandered it, as the Bible says, in wild living, involving himself presumably, as his older brother had said when he came back, with prostitutes, according to verse 30. Perhaps he was spending a lot of his money in the local pubs or taverns or whatever they called them back in Bible days, maybe uh, gambling, maybe giving it away to friends, wild parties every night, and this is what he did. He used all of his money that way. I watched a program on Dateline this week uh, about a man who was very wealthy, and he owned a timber company out west, and he fell victim to what is called a sweetheart swindle. He lost $15 million through this lady that uh, married him. And uh, the family of this lady purchased Maserati, Bentleys, trips to Italy, Monte Carlo, Las Vegas, buying houses. And this man was cleaned out, cleaned out. I think the FBI was able to get him maybe uh, less than a million dollars of back out of that 15 million fortune just went through it like water and that's what this young son did but you know what happens when you spend money like that you come to the last dollar in your wallet the emptiness that consumed him the boy soon ran out of money his friends left him and then something happened a famine came upon the land so uh, food was very limited, so he had to take work for a foreigner feeding pigs, something which would be detestable to a Jew. And as he was in the pig pen feeding these pigs, he got so hungry that he even wanted to eat the pig's food, which were probably pods, carob pods, and he had sunk so low that the, the scene in the drama is our Lord's way of emphasizing that sin really does in the lives of those who reject the Father's will. Sin promises freedom, 
but only brings slavery. It promises success, but brings failure. It promises life, but the wages of sin is death. The boy thought he would find himself, but he only lost himself. Well, as he was feeding these pigs, as his stomach was growling, and he suddenly came to himself. That's a beautiful way that the scriptures say that he woke up. He realized he was so broken that he began to think. He realized that even his fi- the hired servants of his father ate much better than him. He was at this point, he decided to go back home. There's one thing silent in this story. What about dad? What about mom? What was going on in the heart of that father while his son was living in that far country? Was he walking down the road every day, scanning the horizon for some glimpse of that familiar figure of his boy? Did he send any servants to the nearby towns to see if they could encounter his prodigal son? We're not told. Did he spend every night regretting giving the son all of that money? Did he, like many of us, wallow in regret that maybe he had not been a better father to this young man? Did he ask himself every day, why did he run off? Why? What did I do? The sorrows brought on in a prodigal parent, prodigal's parents. One thing the scripture doesn't include is part of the story is the pain and anguish of the father's heart. Prodigals go down many roads. Sometimes it's the road of an immoral lifestyle stepping over the boundaries that God's word puts up and living together without the benefit of marriage, sexual loose living, perhaps even choosing the gay lifestyle. That's one road that prodigals sometimes go down and maybe you're here today and you've got one that's living an immoral life. Perhaps the road of addiction, drugs and alcohol and gambling And many children and grandchildren who are raised in Christian family find themselves going to this way of escape by the use of illegal drugs or alcohol. The godless road is another road that sometimes prodigals travel, leaving the faith. Just imagine the incredible heartbreak that godly parents experience when a child chooses to walk into that far country and you say, well, that will never happen to me. Don't ever, ever say that. The most godly people I know have children who've denied the faith and are no longer even going to church or even considering God. The sorrows, prodigals, cause. Whatever your prodigal is doing, it simply breaks your heart. Every parent is concerned about their children. You're wondering if they're getting enough to eat. You wonder if their job is paying enough. You wonder if that house, if they're going to be able to to have children. You, you, You always worry. I say, well, you're not supposed to worry about anything. If you've got parents, if you're kids, you've got grandkids, you're going to worry. 
Let's put it that way. But parents of prodigals, that's a whole new ball game. Your heart breaks and you worry that keeps you up at night. The scripture in 3 John verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. If there's no greater joy to hear your children walking in truth, there's no greater sorrow to hear that your children are not walking in the truth. And then add to that another pain, the guilt parents experience. Along with the sorrow comes an unbelievable amount of guilt to Christian parents. They ask, where did we go wrong? Were we not strict enough? Were we too strict? Did we not teach them thoroughly enough? Did I not spend enough time mentoring them? Did we miss too many little league games when they were growing up? And all of these questions and more flood the minds of parents of prodigals. Those pangs of guilt increase when we observe the children of other Christian parents who seem to did everything right and their kids uh, never went off at the deep end. And we thought, what happened to us? If our children were sick, we would take them to the doctor. If they were hungry, we would make sure they got enough to eat. If they needed anything else, we'd do our best to help them with it. But what do you do for a child who walks away from the Lord? My wife and I have had children who spent time in the far country. It's doubly painful for pastors and ministry workers who have children who've strayed so far. My wife and I have struggled at times where we even thought perhaps we should get out of the ministry so we would not be a bad testimony. God did not free us to do that. We prayed and we prayed. Some of our prodigals have come home. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We still have prodigal. In the midst of the sorrow, there is help and hope for parents of prodigals. What can we do as we look down the road towards that far country? First of all, develop an intense ministry of prayer. Prayer is really our greatest resource. We should fall before the throne of grace on a regular basis and believe God for the return of our children. James tells us that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Don't enter this battle alone. Surround yourself with other sympathetic believers who will hold up your hands in prayer. I've heard so many stories of sons and daughters who have returned from the far country all because of a praying mom and a praying dad. A lady by the name of Sarah Walton is self-confessed Former prodigal says, my parents prayed Psalm 18 over my life and prayed it often. And this says, he sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. What should we pray for our prodigals? Lord, 
Use my prodigal's friends. Lord, would you bring a godly friend into my prodigal's life to share the message of hope and model a life of trust in you? Bring somebody who will love my prodigal with your love and melt his heart with your grace. Pray also that the Lord would change me, change you. Use this to draw you to depend more on God's power than you ever had in your life. Prayer number three, ask God for brokenness. That's hard. That's hard to pray that God would break something, break your prodigal, so that they will realize, like this son who was in the far country, he came to poverty, and the only reason that he decided to come back home was the hurt and pain, the growl in his stomach. So pray for brokenness. The truth, the truth is, while we must teach and train our children and put boundaries in place, we have no control over their hearts. Ultimately, God alone can fill their hearts with a love for Christ and open their eyes to see the beauty and the glory of who he is. So, the first thing, pray. Second, remember that even God had a prodigal. His name was Adam. <laughs> You're an eyes, father. He had a perfect environment. He had daily communion with his father. He even chose to, to disobey the one commandment that God had given him. God gave Adam all that he needed, but he also gave him a choice. There should be a time when we examine our heart and see if we've failed in some way and ask God to forgive us if we've done something that would not honor him in caring for our children. But before we get too harsh on ourselves and wallow in regret, we must realize that our children have a choice. They weren't kidnapped and taken to the far country. They chose to go there. And I think another thing we need to remember is the reality of tough love. Sometimes we have to let them. I'm sure the father did not want to give his son that pile of money, wads of money, and he stacked it and he took it. But he realized that his son had to experience some pain and as soon as this money would run out and he knew what was going to happen, then he would have the pain. And sometimes love has to be tough. And a fourth thing, don't burn the bridges. As a way of dealing with our pain and the sinful consequences of our children, we may be tempted to cut them off. Have you ever heard uh, the saying, well, they made their bed, now they've got to lay in it. <laughs> I think of the prodigal who found his way back home. What if the father had told him before he left home, when you run out of money, don't come running back to me. What if he would have said that? What if, we, if the father would have burned the bridge? Warmly embracing your prodigals without condoning their sin is an acquired skill. However, we must not fake it. Invite them to family gatherings. Communicate with them often. 
One day they will find their way home and you and I want to make sure that we haven't burned the relationship bridge. One other final thing that I want to share with you regarding this, this point here, God never wastes our pain. I found that all believers have some kind of pain that keeps us all humble. Paul had his thorn in the flesh. Uh, sometimes the, the pain might be a financial difficulty. Or we're always trying to get ahead, but God uses that to keep us humble. Sometimes it may be a physical battle that God allows us to go through. We're always on our knees because we're, we're beseeching the Lord. Yet for some, God in his sovereignty has allowed some parents to suffer the prodigal pain. When we suffer, it should drive us to rely on him more. And our pain enables us to come alongside other parents who are walking on that same hard road. Well, aren't you glad that the story doesn't end in the far country? And neither does ours have to end that way. The joy of the return. The son's extravagant welcome. Well, the third section of the parable describes the father's response. He had been waiting for his son to return. Because it says in the scripture, as the son was coming back, while he was a long way off, his father saw him. Now, how did that happen? I can imagine that the father was always, perhaps every day, looked down the road, looked way down the road, anticipating God's going to bring my son home. God is going to bring my son home. There came a day when he saw, maybe it is. It walks like him. It, it must be him. So the father ran to him, full of compassion for his son. He ran to him and he hugged him and he kissed him. The father would not even listen to all of the young son's rehearsed speech. He said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to tell, make me a hired servant and all of that. He broke it, broke it up and he said, hey, I'm glad you're home. The father wouldn't even listen. The father had his servants prepare a banquet to celebrate the son's return. He gave the son a new position. He gave him a new robe, a ring, and sandals. The joy of the return. You know, the father is always waiting to receive prodigals. In the east at this time, old men did not run. I think it's true today, too. If you see me running, look behind me because somebody has to be chasing me. <laughs> that was just something that, that uh, old men didn't run. Yet the father ran to meet his son. Why? The obvious reason was his love for him and his desire to show that love. There's something else involved in this. The wayward son had brought disgrace to his family and his village. And according to Deuteronomy 21, he could have been stoned to death. But if the neighbors had started to stone him, they would have had to hit the father first because he was all over him and hugging him. What a picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Everything the younger son had hoped to find in the far country he found it back home. Clothes, jewelry, friends, joyful celebrations, 
a party, love, and assurance for the future. Two takeaways that I want to leave with you. Never give up on your prodigal. People who run marathons tell me that at various times in the race, you want to quit. Their legs feel like lead. Their stomachs ache. Their vision gets blurry. They even become nauseated. They feel they cannot take another step, but they take one more step and then the next one. Never give up. Keep praying. Who knows what God will do? Keep praying. Keep loving. Keep the relationship bridge open. And the second application is heaven celebrates whenever a prodigal comes home. Perhaps this morning you are away from the Lord. Perhaps in this scenario you are the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. I want to tell you, you have a father who is standing at the end of the road saying, Come on home, and he will embrace you and reward you and give you a home in the Father's house. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this story. I thank you so much for telling it. Thank you for Jesus who told us how much the Father loves sinners. I pray that if there's one here, Lord, that does not know Christ as Savior, that they would just be overwhelmed with the magnificent love that God has for them. Oh, Lord, may they come to themselves right now and run into the embrace of the Father's arms. I also pray, dear God, for that mom, that dad, that grandma, that grandpa that's waiting for their prodigal to come home. I pray that God, your Holy Spirit, would comfort their heart. You would reassure them and give them hope and help them to find that one day their faith and their prayers are rewarded. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.